0: Ephesians chapter 3 is going to be our main text for today, Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm reading two verses, 14 and 15, for this reason, I bow my knees unto, before the Father, I read the New American Standard Bible, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I'll use that as the main verse, particularly verse 15. I know I'm violating laws of uh, Bible interpretations, hermeneutics, but I'm going to do that. I won't apply that out of context. Today, of course, is Father's Day. Amen. Amen. I just wish to make an observation, just a small one. It seems that Father's Day doesn't carry such a huge celebration with it. compared with the way we celebrate Mother's Day. (laughs) Serious. Serious. Driving this way from home, I was looking at the posters. You know, the headline posters that they they kind of hang up on the poles and on the lights. Not a single one said anything about Father's Day. (laughs) Nglimel comrades, n'limel. Not so many greeting cards are were sold for Father's Day as compared to Mother's Day cards. So kids didn't spend as much money on the greeting cards for their dads like they do for their moms. (laughs) They do buy us ties, however... At least it's an improvement from what used to happen in the past where on Father's Day, the gifts we got were power tools, lawn mowers, wheelbarrows. It's like a hidden message. You haven't done the lawn for a while. So on Father's Day, I'm going to remind you. Or like in some other parts of the world, I hear this guy saying, all the children found their dads. They recorded the highest volume of phone calls, but when they phoned their dads, they phoned them on uh, collect or what they call a reverse call. (laughs) Some of you, you called your dads, I know, but you sent them a please call me (laughs) to wish them a Father's Day. You know, I think there's a little bit of mistreatment of dads day. It's reflected in an article that was written from an issue Uh, Written for the time magazine Some time ago This article pointed to the potential future demise Of fatherhood And the writer of this article seems to think That dads May just be the next endangered species This is what he said and I quote Between in vitro fertilization And cloning Dads could be dinosaurs In not such a too distant future End of quote Now I know I'm just joking around But seriously so I don't think we can deny the fact that fathers don't seem to be as appreciated as they should be. And they responded the same way in the first service, with a stunned silence. We also understand that probably it's because of what fathers have done. No one can deny the impact that a father can have on a child, because children need fathers. So in our main text we read in Ephesians three fifteen. That expression that God is the father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. The, the West Expository Dictionary of New Testament where it says this on that verse. The sense given in that verse is that God is the father from whom all related orders of intelligent beings, humans and angelic alike, each by itself they gather a significant name of family and community from father. Adam Clark says, "Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ on earth, the spirit of just men made perfect in a separate place, and all the holy angels make but one family, which God is the Father of that family and the head of that family. So we can simply say the concept of family and fatherhood is derived from God Himself, and the best way we can ever define what a father is is to look to God as the Father and learn from Him." But the truth is, the role of a father is so important that we see it in the impact that fathers have on their children. We mustn't downplay this, particularly in our nation, because of the type of history we come from. Dads have a huge impact on the growth and development of their sons and daughters. This is because studies confirm again and again that our children have needs that only can be met by their dads. James Schaller writes: The absence of a mature father-child connection creates a void in the soul, a residual father hunger, he calls it. Today we talk about people having daddy issues. Robert Bly says that due to the absence of many dads, this generation thirsts for what he calls father water. So experts like these do realize that fathers give children good or bad and that what they give no one else can give to the children I mean consider a father's positive words to the child when they say I believe in you my daughter I believe in you my son in fact some few years ago when I read a survey that had been made they discovered that it seems like children want more of the approval of their father and more of the love of their mother Ah, that amen is also stunted These were not people who were trying to prove the Bible to be right. No, were they people who came with a certain agenda, but they were surprised how the children seemed to crave for the approval of their father. It's not a coincidence that when Jesus, the son, came out of the waters of baptism, the words of an approving father rang from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I wonder how many fathers say that about their sons and about their daughters. On the other hand, consider the negative words that a father can have on their child. When they say to the child, why couldn't you be more like your brother? Why couldn't you be more like your sister? These words stay with children for the rest of their lives. And you realize that what the father says, it looks like he's very powerful. And of course, when I was in school, we used to have a debate to say, the the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And it's true that the hand that rocks the cradle ruled the world, but as we look at this world, we know that the absence of a father has affected so many other people. Because a man has the ability to shape the leaders and the parents of the 21st century. Whether they do this by being a devoted, committed father, or they do it through their irresponsible absence. And unfortunately, the fact that parents and fathers are not using their parental power wisely, makes us to lose out. Some men have lessened their responsibility. They've lost their roles as influential fathers. Some of them, well, it's by choice, but some of them truly, it could be that there are other things we should look at. Now, some statistics show this, and this is quite interesting, that children who live with their biological parents, the number of them has steadily dropped since the 1960s. That more and more, there are children who are raised in homes with a father who is absent. In fact, a survey that was conducted among 1,600 men revealed that more than 50% said that their fathers were emotionally absent from them while they were growing up. In another survey, only 34% of the men said that they considered their own fathers to be a role model to them. Why has this happened? Why are so many dads ignored? Why have they moved away from parenting? My goal today is not to come here and take a stick and beat the father's father's brains out, but to raise an awareness because we cannot run away from that reality in this country. The effects of slavery and oppression and colonization of fatherhood have been immense. I'm not going to stand here and blame everything on apartheid, but in the context of South Africa, we cannot overlook the residual impact that the previous system of apartheid has had on families, especially on the fact of the absentee father. Imagine having to work as a migrant laborer. Leave your home, leave your family, travel 600 to 1,000 kilometers away to go and work in the mines. And in these mines, you are paid a salary that you cannot make a living out of. You are lumped together in uh, uh, single-sex accommodations called hostels right and you are worked so hard made to be frustrated and then as a man at the prime of your life in your 20s and 30s and even 40s if you are used to marital life it's going to be very difficult to live a monogamous life or to be celibate some people are gifted in that many of us are not now don't laugh at me And so many of the men ended up having to have these two families. One family, that's the real family, Akai. And the other family, which is a makeshift family. Keep me happy for now. But the result of that is children who grow up with a father who will either not own up or a father who's not there. And when he comes home from the frustrating job he did with a little salary he had, they conveniently built a bottle store in a very convenient spot. So his only way of passing his time is to drink himself into a stupor. So even if he's home, he's not there though physically there. He's just in another world talking to unseen creatures drunk as drunk could be, absent emotionally, not involved anyway, not even part of the children's life or the life of his wife. And I want to sound a challenge to many of our young people today. Maybe some of you don't understand why we burned down bottle stores in 1976. Because you see, in the township, our fathers worked very far from home. They had to commute by bus, commute by train for many hours... ...to go and work in town where they will be ridiculed. Go into a place where you couldn't go there without your dumpers. Or you couldn't be there without a permit because you were the wrong color. Get ridiculed and be called a boy all day long. Be given a salary that's an insult to you. Come back home frustrated as you could be... ...and as you got off the train... You try, the first thing you saw was a bottle store. So our fathers went and drowned their sorrows. And many of us have grown up seeing fathers who were drunk most of the time. Who were never, who were so spaced out that they couldn't care to be involved. And that led to pain, bitterness and sorrow within many hearts. But here we are today, much as we've succeeded, some of us young people were perpetuating the same thing by being drunkards ourselves. And so I think we should confront this thing and say, post-1994, it didn't solve all our issues. But we need to be very proactive in trying to resolve these issues. We acknowledge that the advent of democracy brought a new day, but we need to work extra hard to really help the fathers in all communities, by the way, to play their role. We need to remove these historical roadblocks. And there are roadblocks and obstacles for all of us as fathers. And I want to talk about those obstacles that fathers face. And after that, I'm going to talk not only about the obstacles, I'm going to talk about also the good things about the fathers, the things that fathers like. So the subject of my message is simply the father's challenges and desires. Roadblock number one. Look at your neighbor if they're still alive. Just pinch them for a while and say, you know, I wonder if you are still here. Roadblock number one. I call it ignorance. This is about fathers accepting their role as the primary disciple maker. You saw this man. I think he tried. I wish I had a voice like him. (laughs) But you saw this guy. He really tried to first time Kibana a father who doesn't hit his children in a play. Because usually, you know, all the place that they have about us as fathers is that we're laying hands on children. No, not, not this way, that way. In fact, I had to insist in our church that we should change the way we celebrate Father's Day. You know, back then we used to have skits that were produced and the, the skits when they were writing and or people would come and give a poem. I remember this person said, I'm going to give a poem. I said, oh, no problem. And they came up here and said that, Father, 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 Papa. Mpama. <laughs> and I thought, no. <laughs> and what they were saying was that, you know, mpama is synonymous with papa. And then when people come up here and tell us how abusive their fathers were and everything. Now, I'm not in any way suggesting that that's not true. But I'm saying maybe it's about time we try and be a little bit more positive. I'm going to acknowledge our roadblocks here. First roadblock is that of ignorance. When fathers don't accept their role, or sometimes they don't know that they should be dis- disciple makers. God speaks to Abraham in Genesis 18, verse 17 to 19. He says, should I hide my plan from Abraham? The Lord asked. For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. Oh wow. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons or his children and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. We need, as fathers, to take the responsibility to raise our children in the things of God. But we cannot do that if we ourselves are not modeling the way of God. Now note, modeling God's way and being a godly parent, I know, is no guarantee that your children will follow suit. However, more than often, the children will, in a lot of ways, follow what the father and the mother are trying to model. And so, it's important for us that we do that. Many statistics reveal, in fact, that children seem to see God the way they perceive God is colored by their fellowship and their relationship with their dead. That if you talk about God and you model what God is, it's easy. In fact, many theologians are arguing today, and it's not just today. It's been a long discussion, and some have even changed, that maybe it's about time instead of saying our father, when we pray, we should say our mother. Because... Quite a number of children don't identify with that. Either they never had a father, or if they have a father, he's really not such a great father. And they say maybe that affects people in the way they relate to God. Big question mark. When dad sets a good example, kids tend to relate to God in a more positive way. We are not in any way suggesting that dad must be perfect. Because none of us is perfect. But when dads make mistakes, they've got to own up to those mistakes. We must be able to go to our children and ask for forgiveness. Be humble enough to point out that, you know, we are facing challenges and uh, we're trying to do our best. And so that's the first thing. We need to take that responsibility. I want to challenge you men. Take that responsibility as a man. To be the one who disciples your children and teaches them things. Take that initiative. The, The second obstacle, look at your neighbor who's not saying amen and say, why are you quiet? The second roadblock is inertia Or the question How can I start You do know the Newton's law of motion Right Let's do some refresher course for a short while What is Newton's law of motion An object at rest Will remain at rest Unless An opposite and greater Force is applied on it. Am I right Am I right Will you, you will, will you tell them in the exam room that you heard it from me? <laughs> that simply means that the biggest challenge for anything that's at rest is gravity or friction. So when a father was never involved, and they were an absentee father, it's a huge problem to now be an engaged father. Yes. You get stuck. So it's, And the problem is you've got forces that are acting against you, your own mind, people around you, and all kinds of things. Well, here's the big secret, all right? Here's the big uh, revelation. If you've never been involved in the life of your child, here's what I want to say. Here's the word of the Lord for you from me, okay? Just begin. That's all there is. Just start. Just start somewhere. Anywhere. Just just stand where you are and trust God to help you. Let's say you want to be a more engaged dad but your history of ambivalence is hanging around your neck like a millstone. So you can come to your children and and say, you know what kids, I I want to pray with you but I just don't know how. Can you help me? Hmm? You can go to your wife and say, I want to cook but uh, I'm not sure if the food will make you alive. Uh, Can you just show me? You can go to your kids and say, You know, I really don't know how to show love to you. I'm trying to listen to you, but I just don't know how to do it. And trying to be engaged. I've seen men who have walked away from their children for years and years. And now the kids are all grown up and matured, and he's trying to work his way back into the child's life. And the child is not very helpful, not very welcoming. Not very optimistic, actually suspicious. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but start somewhere. Start somewhere. Even if you walked away from your children and disappeared from their lives, and you're trying to find your way back, here's what it is: that your children are not looking for you to be a flawless person, they just need for us to be real. If you come around them with false motives and you are wearing a facade, they'll be the first ones to pick it up. But if you come with a genuine attempt and you ask for help, there's many places you can go for help today. Many books you can read. We could help as well. Come for help. I mean, let me encourage you with this. In Proverbs 3 verse 5 to 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust God to help you. It says, don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. There's many places to go for help. You can go for pastoral counseling, you can go for psychological assistance, whatever it is. But do something and start somewhere. Roadblock number three is that of delegation. Unfortunately, we grew up, some of us, in a culture whereby mom must do everything. Symbolically, when the child gets born, they get tossed in mom's arms. So mom must do everything. Feed the child, raise the child, take them to school, pay the child, discipline the child, take them to church, all kinds of things. And there's men who live like they don't have children. It looks like their best gift is just to sire children and plant them everywhere. And never take responsibility. And if you are there in a home and, and, and you are a married man, may I challenge you to get involved with the children, make a decision. Help in the house, even if you don't know how. I mean, if there are still babies, try to put the nappy on. Even if it may be lopsided, it's okay. Even if it's leaking, it's okay. <laughs> try something. Yeah. Try to find a way. You know, when our children got born, our firstborn son, he had colic. You know, and uh, we had to find a program of intervention because the Babasir was not working. You know, all this colic medication it doesn't work as good. So my wife had a shift and I had the the Lord forgive you, my dear. I had the early hours shift. <laughs> my shift started at what time? You remember, twelve midnight, one a.m. <laughs> Jesus But you know, even if it started that day, that time I didn't I hadn't given birth. I Mean she's still tired from having given birth and having carried the sucker for nine, I mean the child for nine months <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing So I remember I used to have the early hours shift And I tell you guys, it's not easy. You wonder why did you make the child? It was so nice when you were making the child. You were speaking in tongues, ah? Shaba yaba. Now the after effects (laughs) and the results. You know what it does? It makes you appreciate your wife more. Yeah. When you have this baby in your arms and you're trying all your tricks to get them to not cry, but they just ignore you. <laughs> and they're crying their little hearts out. And then you start wanting to cry too. <laughs> you know, and when people ask you, how's the child? Anybody has ever done anything like that? <laughs> but be involved. Thankfully, my schedule allowed for me to be able to make certain decisions because of the kind of work I do. I decided I was going to take my children to school, drive them there myself. If I could, not my wife would do it, but it was my primary responsibility. Take them to school, pick them up from school. Both of us would go to the extramural activities, take them to tennis, take them to sports, do whatever. Just be there. Even if you are not saying anything in the car, just be there. Look at your neighbor and say, just be there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not overload our wives with the responsibility. Yeah. And I, I I just feel for some women. I really feel for them. And ladies I'm not saying you are not capable, okay? I'm not saying you are not strong. You understand me? I'm not saying you are not empowered. No. But I'm saying it's not fair. Yeah. He's here. He's not helping. Not right. We men must try to help. Clean sometimes, cook sometimes. They, even if they have to have a prayer meeting before they, pray, they eat the food, but cook. And let them pray, Lord, for, about, for what we're about to receive, we're taking a risk. Amen. <laughs> Listen to what the Bible says about you taking responsibility as a man. Deuteronomy chapter 6 from verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be in your heart. Note verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. And talk of them when you sit in your house. and When you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontals on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your heart. Just be involved, dad. Get involved. Number four. Fourth roadblock, guilt. This roadblock sounds like I've done so much bad stuff in my past. Who am I now to try and get back in my children's life? Who am I to talk? This kind of roadblock seems to be completely immovable. But you see, it's important for you to note that there are things that we did before we were in Christ. And to explain to people that none of us was born as a perfect person. And don't allow yourself to be settled with guilt and drag it around in your life because God wants to help you. When the Bible says if any man be in Christ is a new creature, it really means that. Don't let your past stand in the way and become your enemy. Rather, make your past an ally. How? In two ways. Number one, acknowledge your past sins. Use them as a way of rejoicing. That, you know, God has forgiven me of so much. I was at a funeral not long ago, and I was so blessed by this uh, minister, you know, uh, a bishop who was preaching. And uh, he was talking about how he had grown up in that area where he was actually conducting a funeral. And, uh, you know, and how he used to be in gangsterism in his young days. And he used to smoke dacha, and actually uh, they had gone over to a, to an outreach meeting where one preacher was preaching and their intention was to go and ruffle up people and pickpocket. But as they walked into that place, the preaching of the word hit them hard and he got saved and he had his okapi here and his Zolo here. And he said, but Jesus changed my life. And I, was, and I was listening to him and I thought, you know, what a wonderful way to be. Let's just be truthful about where you come from as a man. Can I hear an amen here? Yeah. You know, some of your children are trying to do what you used to do. Just tell them, you know, I used to do this thing. Yeah. Can I hear an amen, yeah. Secondly, you can share the pain of your past with your children. Could be that your pain is that you just never had an involved father. And you can say to them, listen, I realize I've been so absent. And Linda, it hurt me so. And I, I think it probably is hurting you in the same way. Do this with proper discretion. You can talk about how some of your sins ensnared you. You can share about the pain they caused. Those that were closed because of your wrong decisions. But make sure that you also understand that you cannot be held hostage to your past. That now that you are in Christ, you are a new creature and try to make amends. Romans 8, 1 to 3 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2 says in the New Living Translation, because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Number four, procrastination. Ah, you are listening. Thank you. One of the things that leads to procrastination is that we don't realize when we get that little one-year-old into our arms, It won't be long. They'll be 20 years old. At that time, it looks like it's far. You only realize when they're teenagers that you haven't bonded with them. Unfortunately, many of the things converge in our lives and create what could be in inverted commas, a perfect storm. Let me explain what I mean. At the time when you need to be involved as a father, that's the time when your career seems to be on an upward swing. That's the actual time where you have been promoted at your job and they give you this responsibility where you have to travel all over the world. It's actually the time where you are trying to get that extra course from university. <laughs> it's at that time when you've got to have more money so you have to work extra time, extra hours, maybe another job, to buy a car, to buy a house. And it's at that time where your children need you the most. <laughs> so our careers hit the stride and we have more tasks and sometimes our, we take our work home with us. So even if we are with the kids, we are looking at our computer. Whilst all of that is happening, our children are having other input from elsewhere, from social pressure, social media. And the exposure is been accelerated as they grow. Because father's voice was absent in telling me about certain topics, somebody else takes his place. Then you have to deal with children who are multiple ages. A two-year-old demands is not the same as a teenager's demands. When a new kid comes, they take all the attention from the others. And my goodness, it's so difficult. And so, before we know, our time of influencing our children in the right way runs out so quickly. So instead of seizing the day and investing in our lives, whilst it's still appropriate, it becomes a big challenge. I've seen in one religion, I won't mention it. One of the things that they do proactively is that when their children are in primary school, they make sure that they have other classes after school to inculcate certain teachings and certain doctrines in the lives of their children. And in some other cultures in the world, I've seen it in some parts of the world, uh, on Saturday you'd see all the fathers taking their children to church with them, and I was watching them, and then they took their children to a certain historical site to go through with their children about the history of the land, And tell them how they were treated back then. And I remember this father looking to his child and saying, This is what they did to us. You must never let them do this to you again. And I look at these kids, they are five years old and six years old. That's the impressionable age. That's the time when they can listen, not when they're already 20. And so we miss out on that time. Here's my word of advice. Look, uh, Ephesians five fifteen. It says, and I read the Amplified Bible. Look carefully then how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately. Not as advice and witness, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people. Now note verse 16. Making the very most of the time. Buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. So dads, let's make up our minds. We're going to try best to spend time with our children. As best as you can during holidays public holidays, trying to be at home. This is one of the reasons why in our church, you will note, it's very rare during public holidays where we have any major programs. That stems from the conviction I have ever since pastoring the church way back in 1983 that we've got to free up that space and allow parents to be with their children. This is why even our Saturday events in our church, we tone down on them. We meet only one Saturday in the whole month. That's with the Ministry of Health. That's why we try to keep our services early enough. I mean, we have the 7 o'clock service. People have already left. It's 8.30. They left to go home. Already by 9. The people are home. They have the whole day Saturday, but at least they've been to church. Here we are here. We are here. We're going to try and get you out by 11 o'clock. It's still early. Many churches don't. Many churches, they start at 11. When I saw to illegal 11. But this was all because we're saying, at least weekends when you are at home, be with your family. You have no excuse, some of you. You have no excuse. Let your family be a priority to you. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Number six. Roadblock number six is the roadblock called despair. Are my kids just too far gone when they're older? And you look at them and you wonder and think about missed opportunities. May I say, don't let Satan worm this into your mind and convince you that your kids are beyond redemption. No matter how late you start, dad, it's not too late. Better start than not do anything at all. Pray to God and cry out to God according to Psalms 34, 17 to 18. It says the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from their troubles. It says the Lord is close to those who are brokenhearted, Save those who are of a crushed spirit. Instead of drowning in despair, call out to God for your help. See as fathers we have certain wishes too. And I want to close with a father's wish list. I was saying in the first service, I'm really concerned with the negative undertones that are there around men and around fathers in our country. It's very concerning. At the same time, I acknowledge the immense pain and damage that has been caused, that is still being caused. I will not underplay that. And as you know, we have programs to that effect that we're going to be rolling out soon. Uh, beginning of July, we'll be announcing to you what we'll be doing. So, we are aware, and I'm aware, you know, I'm, I'm aware. But I'm also concerned that we're also lacking capacity to appreciate the men and the fathers. We, we don't know how to do it. And I want to say this until our nation understands at the risk of being unpopular or being labeled. If we don't find a way to encourage the men in what they're doing and to celebrate the men, at least those who are trying, we are not going to be able to get the results that we're looking for. Some of you ladies, you are too hard on your husbands. Yeah, they had a half-hearted hand clap like you in the first service, so it's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of you ladies, you are, you are very hard on your husbands. Even if the brother is trying. He leaves the house, he does this, but you still complain so much. He may not be as great as you, you know. He comes home early enough, but he may be doing something else, Morocco high at least. I'm not saying you must settle for less. But I'm saying at least try. You know, let me just say this and I'll leave, it, I'll leave it with you. Think about it, go and check it. One of the things that has been a shock for me as I've been leading all the years is to realize counseling people, living life, growing up myself just as an, on an individual level is the thing I, that struck me that it's so funny how people make a choice sometimes to love or not to love. <laughs> let, let me give you an example. You know, let me give you an example. You know, there are some women who are in abusive relationships. Very abusive. Amen. This guy is, a, is an accident going somewhere to happen. <laughs> but, but, and I know there's all those other psychological things that you psychologists will tell me about, but, but you'll find she, she still stays and she still talks so good about the guy. And the guy is, I'm a, I'm a pastor, I won't say anything. But the guy is just something else. But then there's this one who's been treated so well. Mara, the way I complain and cutting you, you can understand. No, 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 no. I'm saying this because listen to me. There's churches where the pastor is such a good pastor. But the members. And then they go over to the other place where they are abused. Huh? The way they're addressed. The demands put off them, but they stay there. They don't complain and even make an offering with their house. (laughs) Hang on. Let let me tell you what what I'm getting to. This is what I'm getting to. This is what I'm getting to. I'm not trying to justify anything. I'm saying, at the end of the day, I've realized we choose what to love and who to love. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I've realized.
1: as, I, as I've gone around,
0: I've seen that there are people, there are children who are raised in homes where the father is not doing half of what some other fathers are doing. But these kids, even with little, they're still grateful. I met a young lady yesterday. Uh, she's in her 20s, of course. You know, when you're 50, everybody's young. You know when, you know what I mean. So She's 20-something. Probably she's 25, 26. You know, I was at a filling station yesterday, and, and I was talking to uh, one of the, the, the managers of the filling station. And this lady happened to be in a, 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 a one of the employees there. So she came out of there with a cake actually, you know, for her dad. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she is. She's, you know, I, I, I didn't have the courage to engage her. <laughs> about her relationship with her father. I just didn't have the courage. But I just thought about it. Here's this girl. And I can tell you, I don't think her father is perfect. You don't think so. But she's thought about it. Go make a cake for my dad. How many people think about that? Not even a card. Not even a thank you. Oh, but let's talk about abuse. (laughs) you see. Oh. Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. So, you know... Fathers are human too. Maybe we don't tell people enough that we're also human. We're also made out of flesh and blood. We, we feel pain, we cry, we have silent prayers and silent desires. Sometimes we go into a corner and cry because we feel this is not fair. We carry pains that we cannot express. And I know we were not allowed to say anything. But I will say Here's a father's wish list. Number one, a father wishes his children to walk in the truth. Oh, that's the desire of every father. You'd love for your kids to live by the truth, to live by what's right, like this father was doing. He read from Proverbs chapter 4. This is what John says in 3 John 4. He says, I have no greater joy than this, than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Oh, it's a joy of a father. Number two, wish list. A father's wish list, that his children become matured. You want to see your children stand on their own, become women in their own right, men in their own right, establish themselves in life and move on. That all the hard work that you and your wife did to invest in them, you want them to stand, you want them to be independent, you want them to stand on their own. Colossians 4.19, Paul says, My little children of whom I labor, in birth again until Christ is formed in you. In other words, I'm, I'm praying for you to become matured believers. The same is true spiritually and naturally. Number three, a father wishes that his children will be established. You don't only really want them to mature. You want them to be established children. In Genesis 24, Abraham made sure that he goes and gets a wife for his son so that his son can start a home. Know the extent to which he goes. It says there in Genesis 24 from verse one, Abram was old and advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abram in every way. And Abram said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he owned, "Please place your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord." the God of the heaven and the God of the earth. And you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live, but you will go to my country and to my relatives and take a wife for my son Isaac. He wants his son to be established. You know? I mean, fathers, sometimes when you see your kids established, you are the proudest of them all. You know? I remember one day, this is some many years ago, we had taken our kids to a tournament, and, and you know, our kids used to play tennis. And, and one of them, and I don't know why with these tournaments, they would always, you know, uh, uh, you know, when they did the draw, they would always draw our children against the top players in the country. And this was not fair. I mean, we are from a previously disadvantaged, disenfranchised, marginalized community. Hey, so you want to draw up against these kids who've been playing tennis ever since they were two months old? This is not fair. Really, it used to get me that every time they play. So one of my sons had been drawn against uh, the guy who's ranking three in the country, number three in the country. He, he's not even anywhere. My son, I mean, really, he, he's ranked, but he's ranked somewhere, 2,000 and something somewhere. Imagine. And I'm really angry. I'm really angry, you know. But for whatever reason, the brother stepped up that day. Hey! So here yeah, we are, you know, we're at this tournament? I'm watching. And I can see that, hey, he's winning. And I don't know why, what happened? Because they used to gang up against our kids. You know, you know, kids who come from the township and from other places. I don't want to be too blunt about it, but now you know what I'm saying. You can feel me. <laughs> so Wade started going around the tournament as the game is playing. Before long, there was a crowd around the caught where my son and this other guy were playing. And the brother was, was fine. (laughs) So I'm standing there kind of thinking, everybody, everybody. (laughs) 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 Do you perhaps know whose son is that one, eh? I was never so proud. <laughs> "Gee. Oh, that's what we want as fathers. You want more for your children than you want for yourself. You, you work and break your back. Give them the best. You know, my late father, even, even after I was married, he would buy me clothes. He said, "Oh, so' it. You can't. But there's just something in a father's heart. May you be that kind of a father. Yeah. May you be that kind of father. Yeah. Number what? Four. A father wants his children to cover his nakedness. In Genesis 9 from verse 20 to 24, Noah began farming, planted a vineyard. He drank wine and became drunk. He uncovered himself. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, told his brothers. But Ham, Shem, and Japheth took a garment, laid it upon their shoulders, walked backwards, and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were turned away so that they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his youngest son has done. No matter how bad your father is, please stop tweeting about it. Stop Instagramming about it. Stop Facebooking about it. Cover him. I tell you, men deal with guilt. And I think the best gift we can give our fathers is the gift of forgiveness and love. They also want to be loved like mom is loved. They also want to be cuddled. They also want to be cuddled. We should be very careful, because I, because I was telling them in the first service that I carried a bitterness against my dad, which I found out later was totally unjustified. Totally. And every time I was with my sisters, they were all raving about how great he is. You know how it is in a home, eh? The boys love their mom. The girls love their dad more. Not that you don't love them, but you know what I mean. Generally speaking, Dad can never be wrong when it comes to the girls. But with the boys, he may never be right. When it comes to the girls, mama, mama is not right. Oh, but dad. Whew. <laughs> I feel it. He's always right. So for whatever reason, I'll hear my sisters talk about dad. And they'll talk about things about him. That he did that were good that I never saw. But then God started dealing with me in 1982. I'm 20 years old now. And I remember I was studying on the subject of forgiveness. And I'll never forget that afternoon. Spirit of God came upon me as I was praying. And in my mind, God challenged me. Said, "You, said, you, you have something against your dad. And then somehow, God took me back to when I was nine years old when my dad punished me. That was the first and only time he ever punished me. Not more than that. I won. But that one time when I was nine years old, became a soft spot in my heart that I carried till I was 20 years old, for 11 years. And the more I carried it, the more it festered. And the angrier I became. And what happens is bitterness, and I'll be talking about it in the other Sunday. Bitterness will cause you not to see the good that a person is doing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's drowned out by the, your perception. And, and I remember that day as I, as I was praying, I, I really asked God to forgive me. I tell you, I realized. And you know, from that day, my relationship with my dad was changed like that. And I realized, it was just bitterness. All of a sudden, everything that my sisters were talking about, I said, oh! And the sad thing is, guys... I must tell you is that the older you get, the more you wish you had a better relationship with your father. I'm telling you. Because as you get to a certain stage in life, men or women alike, the role of your mom, the role of your dad is so critical. Not as a child, but no, from a level of being an adult, they can speak into certain things. You can have certain conversations at a certain level. But my goodness, if you carry around bitterness... All oh, fathers need to be forgiven, people. I hope some of you will have the courage to make that phone call today. Make that phone call. Say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgive you. And in closing, a father wants his efforts to be recognized. The amens are there, but they are not convincing. It's the men were saying amen most of the times. Thank you, guys. Keep saying it. In First Samuel one verse eight, Hannah is weeping and she's not eating. And you know you can read it in one way or another. And Elkanah wants to know, but Hannah, I've been so good to you. I mean, he, 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 have I have I not am I not better to you than ten sons? You know you can read it in any other way. But I think he's saying he's not blaming her. But he's saying, but you know, I know you don't have a child. But forward to. I mean, I've been doing so much. But they will call on a corner, saying, I'm not even around. Sometimes women need to learn how to appreciate their husbands. You need to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a cry of any man. You, you, and I know, we, we don't show love like women do. We, we have a way of showing love. In daughter, when he's in love, he's yeah, a Yeah, when a man is in love, he's a Serious. Serious chance. So when the when the when the man is overworking himself trying to provide for his home, that is a way of saying I love you. He may sit there in the couch that he bought and not talk. Okay? But he bought the couch. That's his way of talking. <laughs> ah, you don't want to say amen, some of you, right? No, I know why we're quiet. Because you see, let me tell you what's happening. There is not much that has been expressed concerning the world of men. So it's not known. As much as we're taught about the world of women and we should be taught, we have to, we have to understand that men must be equally understood. Oh yeah. And fathers, all they need It's just to be appreciated. To say, you know what, thank you, thank you that you are just an involved father. I know you bent, you bent the the oats. (laughs) (laughs) I know you you baked some cakes that look like the rock of Gibraltar, but you know, but uh, but but thank you anyhow, honey. And reward him. We, We won't explain how, but just reward him. And I believe God will help us. Let's give the Lord a big can of praise today. Come on, give the Lord a shout! Come on, somebody, give the Lord a shout! That's my prayer today, that God will heal our land because if the hearts of the fathers, And the hearts of the children don't turn to one another. We'll move under a curse. That's the promise that God's given. About the last days before the coming. Of Elijah. Or of Jesus if you want to say. He'll turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. May you fathers your heart be turned to your children. And may you children your hearts be turned. Now there's issues. They need to be dealt with. And we have to deal with them. But God grant us the grace. Hallelujah. You are awesome.